Welcome to another episode of Fractional with Chris Capone and Associates. I have John Gillespie here with me. He is the Chief Technology Officer at Megacorp Logistics and uh, just, a, just a good dude and wanted to bring you on and, and have a good conversation about business and, and life and how you got to where you are. So, oh, thanks for having me on, Chris. Yeah, man. <laughs> so uh, tell, us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to the, uh, the seat of being a chief technology officer for a huge, a huge company. Um, sure. It's actually kind of a more lucky story than being like, right. Hey, that's, um, that's not a bad thing sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the, the joys of being in IT is you, uh, I'm almost 40. So the career path in, you know, whether you grew up watching, you know, Breakfast Club or, you know, Dazed and Confused, you know, the, the classic like nerd story. Um, high school to college is really you know, back in like the 90s and early 2000s, didn't have that many like paths for like IT careers. You know, it was like engineering, mathematics, yeah. um, uh-huh. software development, uh, a lot of what you wanted to do, you know, whether it was like learning like infrastructure, um, getting into like networking, switching, um, you had to kind of take like your own path, whether it was, you know, going to community colleges and getting certifications and stuff. So it wasn't as clear as it is like today where there's a lot of advancement and a lot of innovation, you know, in the tech spaces that allows universities to um, provide more like dynamic careers, you know, like, yeah, you instead of you have like AI programs. So unfortunately, you know, coming out of high school, you know, out of uh, 2002 into college, I did the classic, you know, let's be a surfer and go to UNCW and do political science. Um, but I enjoyed technology a lot. Now, I don't know if any professors listen to your sh- uh, show <laughs> or uh, in the Wilmington area, but UNCW at that time was also a little more antiquated in technology spaces. Um, so we, a bunch of us figured out that the computer network on campus was kind of like open where you could plug any Xbox in any building and see every other Xbox. No uh, the way. same thing. With, yeah. So we, you're able to do like really, really large, like, you know, 16 person, 32 person, like LAN parties because the network was completely flat because they were just using traditional like hubs versus like switches. Where'd you so, learn how to do that stuff? Like, how uh, do you even like, that's not something you learn in high school or in no, class? Like, yeah. Uh, again, I think it goes back to being like more lucky than right. Um, that, you know, Jurassic Park came out in 1993 um, so I was nine and then like that made every like little boy nerd interested like in dinosaurs. Um, and then, you know, like Nedry and that was like the single man, like it guy yeah. for, for the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, like, well, if he can do it, like I can do it kind of thing. Obviously I wasn't looking up to him, but it was just more of a, uh, like let's play with computer stuff. So, and then windows cool. 95 came out obviously in 1995. So I was 11. Um, at that time, you know, like gateways and HPs to Dell's to compact to Packard Bell's. Um, they weren't that good, but they were trying to become the consumer market space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is all like pre Best Buy, even pre the dude you're getting a Dell, like kind of like commercial guy. Um, so more like CompUSA and computer shows where we bought like parts and you just had to like figure it out, you know, very much like, you know, people in the room can't like see, but like even the audiovisual stuff like you have with like now today where the advances are right. with microphones to cameras to lighting and how that all can feed back to the very advanced Macs. If you wanted to build, a PC to play Wolfenstein or Doom, you know, you're, you're picking out like the Voodoo video cards to like the Cyrex processors for like a DX33. And then like um, everything pivoted pretty quickly from like, you know, hard disk to like floppy drive to CD drive. And then, um, you know, even the uh, local like hard drive. So again, like at 11 years old, you know, you can be that, you know, kid obsessed with like baseball or you can kind of um, go out and start buying like pieces of parts to build a computer. And, you know, 
read motherboard books but to set jumpers um oh my god uh, so that you know you could set the primary and like master um settings for how it would launch like in the bios to like prompt the cd to install windows 95 to skip dos and those kind of things yeah. right um so i got fun so then in you know uncw um not only you know that first year like within galloway like um Galloway is still there. Dude. Yeah, I think they're going to tear it down eventually. They've got so, to tear they've that They've announced it. Down. At least. They've so. got to tear that place yeah. down. Um, man, I'm going like way back in the, the journey, but it gets faster good, towards good. the end. Yeah, let's, um, let's, let's hear it. So there was a few people on my hall that were like a lot more um, probably like artsy than like techy, but like wanted to learn and were curious. Um, you know, and, and everybody at that time, like the school, like was coming with like a lot of different computers, you know, whether they're coming with like some Sony laptops. Um, yeah. So some pe people still setting up desktops or the Mac stuff. And, yep. you know, everybody wanted help and they didn't know where to go. You know, this was even pre-geek squad at like Best Buy time. So um, a really good way to break down the social barriers, like being new at like universities was meeting new people. But then playing with their stuff, which I never got to touch, then plugging into the network and figuring out I could see a lot of stuff across the NCW's network made yes. it more fun for us to figure out how to do even more across their network. Yeah. Um, and then in ended up getting a job on campus too as like production tech to like work with um building out their like website and um a few other things which is like comical because recently when i was oh, with cool. like mark lemers and dr vetter i think they made a joke that the website is still on in some places so and that was like 20 years ago but nice universities are very the test of time huh <laughs> yeah they're very hard to upgrade so unfortunately um i was not good at computer science and development um so um you know, writing Java code was not a forte of mine, so I stayed on the political science path. But in the summer, um, I would go do like certification courses, mm -hmm. like A plus, M plus, Secure plus. Um, and then getting out of college, you know, Wilmington's a very much like service oriented town. And I mean, I don't know about you, but like, well, I mean, it, it was, it was, I mean, it's definitely time, changing, but yeah, yeah like yeah, no, 2006, was absolutely, yeah, a weird time, yeah, so totally, was, especially if we go back to like just realizing like a couple years later that big recession hitting was also going to be even more difficult for you know, only having like a few years of experience under your belt like what do you do career-wise so right was able to work at best buy and geek squad back in 2006 and then a local company called x geeks which is a play more on x-men not x geek squad people yeah um doing more in small business support uh but that company was unable to survive the 2008 um recession so i was uh picked up by liberty Healthcare. Mm -hmm. um, in their IT department to support uh, some of their networking components, which at that time was only like 29 offices within three states. Now they've expanded most of the East Coast. Right. I think they're like yeah, it's a big 49 thing. or 50 offices. Or yeah. So they got huge. Um, and then we put in a Lawson. It's like an SAP N4 platform for like the ERP. Yeah. And nice. I um, did a lot of their user security for that. And then was uh, um, met my wife at Liberty. And we've agreed that we would not work for the same company, um, kind of like ever, just to like maintain that attempt of work-life balance. Yeah. Um, totally. So I, uh, at that time, Megacorp, and this was 2012, was probably less than between 50 to 100 people. Um, and so they had a small Cincinnati office, a small West Virginia, and then in Wilmington, they were starting to grow it. So where did it, did it start in Cincinnati? Kind of. Um, so our company, Bob, President Bob Clare and then our owner CEO Ryan Legg, uh, yeah. they met as like neighbors in Cincinnati. And Ryan Legg started TQL with Ken Oaks way back in the day. Got it. Um, and he retired from there, um, you know, and 
and he was comfortable. You know, he didn't have to like work again. Um, but his wife, Denise, I think her maiden name was Rivenbark. Uh, she's from this area. Yeah, so yeah. she has family in Wallace and yeah. she grew up around the Wilmington Rights Will Beach area. So they came back here. You know, he, um, he bought slash built a bit of property in uh, landfall and they have the Rights Will Beach house. Um, but he's got a lot of energy, uh, even now at almost 60, I think he's 59. Yeah. Um, and he works out a lot and he loves like traveling. Um, so whenever I, I think is like non-compete, like NDA stuff with, uh, PQL expired. They started um, up a, a local. They did. Yeah. Yeah. He took a, um, and there, I remember there was a Christmas party, I think it was 2012 or 2013. Denise was like, Ryan said, we're going to keep this small at like less than 50 people. And at that time, I think it was maybe 2013, 2014, we crossed a hundred people. Um, so we were, we were growing then, but in, in Wilmington, the office used to be near that like dental office over by the Arboretum on like station road. Cause that like station road corner of yeah, no, exactly. We're very little oh tiny gosh. building. Yeah. Um, and then when we outgrew that, I expanded to 7040 Wrightsville Avenue. Um, yep. That's when I came in in, in 2012. Was we, we were there. And yeah, that, sorry, I put you I put you off uh, topic there a little bit. We were talking about how you be, got to CTO. So yeah, so that I, that maybe kind of comes back it together does. there. Yeah, because so I 12, yeah. I stopped doing IT stuff when I came over to MegaCorp. Yeah, um, I had a few friends that worked here at MegaCorp, and it was more of a um, startup mentality of um, field of dreams. That if you can build it, they will come. Um, and so I wanted to get my foot in the door and the pay was a little more to even just move over night dispatch at Megacorp. So I wasn't even doing anything IT, just nighttime stuff. Yeah. Um, and waiting for them to keep growing. And so I could put my, um, throw my hat in the ring to take an IT job for them. Right. Um, during that time though, I, uh, got engaged and my wife and I got married in September of 2013. So it'd be 10 years into this, this September. Congrats. Thanks. Um, we got married, we did the destination wedding to DR, Dominican Republic. And then while there, my wife was like, how do we make paradise permanent? Um, I like it. Yeah. Smart, so, smart, smart lady. Your wife is. <laughs> it was. So, um, she was trying to leave the country. I think she wanted to like move to Belize. Um, I'm a big fan of United States social service systems, like 911 matters. Um, you know, police and ambulances yeah. will show up. So we settled on Hawaii. Um, so they threw us not only an engagement party at Megacorp, but like a going away. And, and Ryan Legg was, he was like, if you ever come back, like, you know, the doors like, oh, cool always open. That? Yep. That's Very really cool. cool. So bounced to Hawaii, uh, worked for American Savings Bank um, out there, which is the third largest bank in Hawaii, as just a cybersecurity analyst for about a year. And then got promoted to be like a data systems manager, data center manager mm -hmm. to run... Um, all their like VMware Hyper-V environment on top of like the Cisco UCS servers and um, Commvault was our, I think our data source at that time and like Avamar was our like backup product. IT yeah. people will know what those yeah. are. Um, and, and about two years into that, I pivoted into a director of enterprise architecture role. And then that was when we were thinking about doing more uh, like mobile banking pivot to, I think we went to Q2 and uh, what can we do with like tertiary backup to like Azure. This was early 2017. So mm -hmm. cloud, was a little more scary to highly regulated industries, yeah. um, healthcare and banking, um, health, banking especially between you know, PCI compliance, the GLBA and stocks, uh, you know, taking a risk of moving either applications or data or connectivity, whether it's the end user, so you and like a mobile banking like that app, or the GL um, general letter, the, the backend 
systems that are core for banking, um, mm-hmm. especially some of the bigger companies like Fiserv and Oracle, yeah. how much do you want to host and control yourself versus like putting in those environments? Um, again, the regulation being so heavy and where I was at like in my career, um, both my kids were born in Hawaii. They were born through Kaiser. Um, the, when we first rented out there, we were renting from a family that um, the wife was like a surgeon in the OBGYN department. And then the husband was also like in pediatrics. No so no better place in the world than to have a baby in Hawaii, especially if you're renting from doctors. Heck yeah. Um, so Which island were you living on? Lived on Oahu. Nice. So that, that island is probably like Charlotte on a rock. Got more than a million people now. Mm-hmm. Um, very big, but it's also the easiest to be employed on because it has most all the like major industries there. Right. Whether you wanted to be in, you know, host uh, hotel hospitality, there's a very big environment for that. Um, education, um, healthcare, you know, banking, those big core services that are Got always it. looking for um, talent. And then it also, if you you know you want to work for the government, um, there's also probably no better state you know, in our union to, to work for or find an employment because um, every major military base is in Hawaii and they're all really close to each other. Yeah. Um, and they are always looking for like, you know, civilian government contractors, you know, to do something, whether it's cybersecurity, um, you know, build out lifecycle management, tickets, mm-hmm. phones, you name it, all the way through. So um, there's a lot of work out there. I feel like I'm doing an ad for moving to Hawaii for people to work for them. Hey, I mean, I, I don't think you'd have to twist too many people's arms to, no. to figure out how to go there. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a very fun place to be. Um, but uh, it was one Thanksgiving while I was out there. We were with them, and they started talking about some issues they're having with Kaiser, uh, with some of their EMR to electronic medical imaging EMI platforms okay. for, you know, how you move, like, sonograms, x-rays, and stuff over. So then I pivoted to Kaiser and worked there um, kind of in a, like a sysadmin project manager role to help roll out the uh, embedded Highland product to all of uh, um, Kaiser within Hawaii mm-hmm. and then partnered um, <clears throat> in kind of the build consistency with the regions other than California. So it's like Kaiser Rock. So it's that specific Northwest, Colorado, and then there's a big IT presence in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also one around Washington, D.C., um, but at that time, it was a little smaller. This was pre-pandemic, um, so like that 2018 to 2019. Uh, then, unfortunately, my dad passed away, and we moved back to North Carolina. Um, I was to hear that. No, oh, thank you. Um, we, fortunately, Kaiser being so big, they were extremely flexible, allowed me to continue to work remote, and I flew back for big go-lives, trainings, mm-hmm. um, kind of feature releases. Uh, but the July of 2019, I was back. Uh, me and my wife were out like on our boat and ran into um, Megacorp's CFO's girlfriend. And she was like, I didn't know you moved back. Yeah. Um, pretty much the following Tuesday, I got a call from the CFO. And then that started about a nine-month courtship of them trying to convince me to like come back on or me try to convince them that it's worth me coming back on. <laughs> yeah, I know. That. Yeah. <laughs> it can go, uh, it, especially for where they were at in their growth journey. Mm-hmm. Um I, you know, they they were starting to ask some of the right questions of what they wanted to change as an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that is hard. You know, uh, there's an exercise of maturity we all, like, do in life. I mean, we think we're really smart in our teens and 20s. Some people are. They can be, they can grow up pretty quickly and be very mature. Other people, life experience matters um, for you to feel more confident in, like, maybe that 51% layer where you can, knowing you're making that decision will have an impact, you know, or or you've, balanced out some risk reward, you know, model personally with it. So um, 
you know, they, Megacorp brought in a one-on-one solutions as a consultant. Um, you know, they elected to listen to some parts of the PowerPoints put together for them in a strategy at that time, we'll call it free consulting, yeah. um, in order to start cleaning house of uh, a little technical that, that they have within people processes and things within their organization mm-hmm. to do a pretty big mass lift. Um, and this is where it's better to be lucky than be right. Um, you know, most CTOs for smaller, mid-sized businesses or in a more entrepreneurial um, startup capacity, you know, whether it's been, you know, the Mark Zuckerberg's going to graduate like college, you know, or mm-hmm. the, the Bill Gates, you know, like, you know, how much, again, that choice of taking like a risk to try something different and of knowing that if you, you know, kind of fail or fall flat and just try it again yeah. um, and maybe you'll, you know, learn from it. Um, so Megacorp took a pretty big swing. You know, they uh, took me on in February of 2020 is when I got the offer letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, lo and behold, you know, there was a pandemic. That yeah, occurred. I was about to say, I did, everybody knows that time, <laughs> that time frame. Yeah. So I, uh, I started with them at the end of March of 2020. At that time, we were 325 employees and about 350 million in revenue. Mm-hmm. Today, three and a half years later, we're about 670 employees and um, between 900 and a billion in revenue. Um, the IT department, when I came in, yeah, we had... We kept three people. Today, we're at 38 people. Um, we were 100% on-prem with our um, local transfer manager system, our phone system, even single thread on MPLS for our network um, and, and firewall security. Now we've pivoted all major systems to be cloud-based. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's actually a single thing that we haven't changed except Office 365 That's um, since we came in, even including everybody's end-users' devices um, in, in the offices. So, um, you know, it was... Yeah, it's a it's a fun journey to go from you know setting up Xboxes, talk to everybody on a network at right. like UNCW, you're building like your own computers, and then just you know kind of taking jobs and having pretty good leaders and mentors along the way, whether um, previous CIOs and CTOs and just managers in general, and then just trying something that kind of like a tinkering hobby is what I said. So untraditional is yeah. really what it is. So and 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 it, I I don't recommend it to everybody. Um, you know, if I was a wiser man. Um, I mean, not, not like there's a regret to it, but like, you know, there's are other opportunities like in North Carolina to go to like NC State or Chapel Hill for school. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think they can career path you safely into CTO roles, you know, versus uh, playing Plinko with your career. Well, I mean, it's just, it goes, to, <laughs> there's no like right way to do something, right? There's no like set path to get to a certain point. And it kind of sounds like, you know, it was more of like a passion and just kind of like a hobby of things that you did when you were starting like building computers and then you're like oh this is the way i can meet people and help them solve a problem yeah and it wasn't like a formal like traditional education per se yeah it's more fun than like anything yeah and i think um i don't know who it is there's somebody out in the world can find the quote like look it up where they're like you know find like the three things in life that like keep you healthy healthy keep you creative yeah and then like can you make money like i a career pathing wise so um not to say that like everything you do and everything that you have to find, you know, like in life has to be like complete joy. Right. Uh, but you know, if you're going to take an opportunity to try something, you know, whether it's um, in the IT space, there's so many opportunities. You know, you can become a game developer. Like mm-hmm. that's fun for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you can get into this like AV kind of production, like tech world. 
and um you know there's plenty of careers out there in like cinema you know even here locally the screen gems i think about dark horse studios yep um yeah, that's a big one coming up yeah and the cgi behind it and everything else like and those allow you to like play with all this really fun geeky techie gear yeah. and get paid to do it and have like an end result product to probably be pretty proud of and, and kind of enjoy along the way um so i mean there's a there's a lot you know like opportunity in these spaces that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be like a master in calculus you know right exactly and, and you know behind like a, a keyboard all the time um and i think that's probably been the coolest part of you know like our generation to see versus like you know the previous and the upcoming i don't know what's going to happen in the upcoming is you know like if you if you go back to like the gen x like the boomers like you know they um and those are not my words for it that's just like putting them in like a bucket list category and like and, and i don't mean any negative connotation um because this is actually like more of a positive you know the, the journey they got to see for the black and white tv to the color tvs to the big sets to the flat screens um you know even just probably in our, our daily lives of what's in our pockets today you know versus what we used to have tethered to a wall on a cord the phone transition well long distance i mean like no that's, it's so true like my i was just spending time with my family and my grandmother is 94 years old right and we're like you know the family sitting around we're doing facetime you know like taking pictures with our phones and i thought i was like 94 years ago help me do some math i mean i think that was like 1930 yeah, right yeah. so she was born in the 30s like right. imagine what life was like in the 30s and then now all of a sudden we're around the family and like it's just to be able to see that like progression of life yeah insane and now the um the old like hobbyist tinker mindset from an it standpoint to like how difficult it was to like set up the hardware to do this or install the stuff to yeah. then make these things like all happen is gotten surprisingly easier too i mean we used to call it, like plug and pray you know even this is the early with the early usb days you know the change from like serial cables to <clears throat> like and, and trying to assign drivers and, and nothing like working um you know even the the phone to cell phone transition like the, the, the nokia candy bar to the the razor and how like cool we thought those were when it was color and it flipped yeah. and then um you know blackberry came along and put like a keyboard in your pocket and yeah, it's yeah. like you could message an email yeah and then iphone said hold my beer and like handed you this like completely like glass screen with one button yeah um and then that removed a barrier that like technology was difficult for a lot of people um you know before and, and the reason you just circle all back even like the days and confused breakfast club that kind of that classic tv nerd mindset as it seemed a little outside of like the everyday like person like you had to be this like cemented geek to give a lot of time to something even in jurassic park with nedry like how do you plug a million lines of code yeah. and like um we're now you know you can buy an ipad for less than 300 bucks and download like a free software called like xcode and it's a game for kids that teaches them object-oriented coding so there's this barrier removed from the difficulty mm -hmm. of um not only getting devices in, in people's hands but then allowing them to be creative with them because most of the time if, if you think about like from an, where the it journey has gone for the, the world has been you know like it's been a people like user experience like driven thing right like mm -hmm. there was no major forced market to it you know as much as people want to think there might be something forced behind it like there's very little um forced regulation to adopt technology i mean we tried with like emr and healthcare and things but you know outside of that a lot of it has been the true like supply and demand like 
we want these things. Mm -hmm. You know, like we nobody wanted to continue to have to go into a bank, so mobile banking became a thing. You know, like we we wanted to f have better access to not only just mailed prescription, you know, healthcare products. We wanted to be able to use that like Epic My Chart app, like there's gonna be a lot of stuff here locally yeah. to be able to see you know, your, your blood results or be able to, you know, mm -hmm. you text the doctor and, you know, enter. Yeah, we actually, so. we've been going through that with our, you know, with our medical stuff and, and through the surrogacy journeys. Like, that was the first time I used this my chart thing. I was mm -hmm. like, this is weird. It's like, all, like gamifying, like our, <laughs> our medical thing. I mean, it's, it's just insane. I'm like texting the doctor and he's telling us all this like funky stuff about, you know, like results. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, this is the world we live in now. It wild. is, and I, I think there are you know, a little asterisk to that. The gamifying approach is probably true. I blame most of that on social like media um, because that was completely consumer driven for almost no reason other than we wanted to like get rid of magazines. Mm -hmm. um, you think like the way that Instagram like works, and even the new version of Facebook. Back when we were in college, it was invite only and it was very college oriented and didn't have that feed wall. You just had like how you contacted people that you you didn't have another way to contact. Right. Um, you know, it was that evolution out of AIM that it was instant message. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. But then it's, it's devolved into this space that, like, we figured out a way to profitize, like, our own data and free advertising because, you know, like, if it's free, like, here's a product. That's not the product. Yeah. Um, and then it, it has become more, like, you know, gambling to gamify because, like, you're, you're trying to get those likes or those hearts, you know, like, people to pay attention to it more. Which is yeah. difficult, you know, um, you know, shifting the focus like back into like the business world because I think that like there's a very good practicality of the things like Rocket Mortgage or like mobile banking has done to give people access to like if they're more introverted, move the anxiety of like applying for that loan to buy a house mm -hmm. or starting a business or an LLC without like the need to engage like a brick and mortar go down here with this like person and you're like you're like, like more yeah, nerve wracking. Yep. So it gives you more time to like think about it and be, be more prepared. Um, the healthcare space, there's probably a lot more change that needs to occur, but there's not a lot of standardization. So it'll be difficult. And then in the transportation space, it's kind of the same thing. There's not a lot of uh, standardization um, in the data transfers or the the apps and you know, between like warehouses and like receivers. So you know you have to be very flexible um, to accommodate you know the customer asks. And then also find the, the right way to be more innovative to to not only like win the business, but like um, collectively you can get out in front of like that competitor. So it's kind of fun to see on that side. But the the coolest thing with technology, like that I would say, like with my journey is like, you know, definitely start like your kids young, you know, like the, the 10 year old age is not too old to get them to build computers and play with those things. Um, you can probably even start younger with the advances that are um, the flexibilities of iPads and then, you know, the access to that at a reasonable price and the creativity of it has made mm -hmm. it more broad um, to where like you're not necessarily needing to wait to like the high schools and colleges to play and, and kind of like learn with these things. And, and again, from a career path and change even later, like in life, there's not this like, you know, forced medical degree or law degree and you have to go back to school for seven years to get right. into it. You no, can do exactly. short boot camps and certifications and, you know, um, community college and get in and be pretty effective um and, and original thought like matters the most because um you know cell phones replace the landline you know unfortunately the big communication companies have always figured out how to get money from us yeah. so you know instead of them charging for long distance and caller id now they just charge for data yeah. and before they charge for minutes on those phones right exactly um, so i mean that kind of that wheel will keep on turning 
Um, but for the future, the generation like behind me coming into it, they're going to have a lot more fun um, probably doing the big things next because the advances that we are seeing, the universities are trying to keep up with um, in the mathematics and the algorithms behind like the machine learning AI capabilities. It's going to be pretty cool because, you know, that's going to be, um, I mean, I don't think it's existentially scary. I could be wrong mm-hmm. as uh, some of these companies fear. The biggest thing about it is these, some, these more stapled parts of even IT industry that are probably like needing a bigger change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I was them, I'd be a little more like scared of that smart kid in the garage now because the, uh, the Cisco's and the Microsoft's and the uh, Apple's of the world, even Google, the smarter generation behind me, what they have access to behind us, right? Like not me, selfish on my side. Um, but inherently in IT, I think we're all a little bit like selfish because like we have our things that we like, whether it's this brand of microphone or this brand of computer, yeah. but different story. Um, the, the niches they've had for their billions of dollars, if they don't um, pivot and hire on like those, those smart kids, like they'll, their days will be numbered just like AIM or you know, MSN yeah. Messenger replaced or Yahoo being replaced because the, the smart stuff that OpenAPI is doing, not necessarily on the consumer side that we see with like ChatGPT, but just in general, the logic behind um, the logic being the math that's behind those algorithms of like predictive text engines um, could easily make Google a thing of the past. Which is crazy uh, that's like that's crazy right. to think about. It is. Well, uh, you know, like today in in a lot of like in most business discussions, like technology is is part of every single conversation, right? Like, I mean. I mean, it seems like, you know, all the all the folks that, you know, I'm working with and talking about, it's always about, you know, how, you know, technology is just part of every every discussion. You know, how can we do things better, more efficient, more effective? And then just like general like economies of scale, you know, and like, you know, so like back to how you said, you know, from Megacorp, I forget the specific numbers, but you guys like almost like doubled or tripled. Tripled. Yeah, tripled in revenue. Tripled in revenue and doubled in size. I mean. How can you do that without, like, you know, and still maintain profitability without having some type of, like, infrastructure that supports that, you know, from a, a digital perspective, I guess, yeah. right? Like, in connectivity. Yeah, that is um, a difficult philosophy. You know, with, with moving forward, you know, it's how, – how was it, like, said? I think it was Michael Crichton. I'm going all the way back to Jurassic Park again. Nice. Um, Big Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I didn't even watch it recently. I didn't just... even realize. Sorry, I got to go that. I didn't even realize that Samuel L. Jackson was in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Right. And like at that point in time, you know, because Samuel L. Jackson, you know, is just like this figure for me. I think of like Pulp Fiction and right. like all the other badass roles that he plays. And then I was watching Jurassic Park. I was like, holy crap, that's Samuel L. Jackson. He was <laughs> and he so was, young. And he was like, an, he was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry. So, all right. No. But, so this is the author of the book, Michael Crichton. I think yeah. he was at a conference or a university one time back in the early 90s. I, it's a YouTube clip out there. Um, and I could be butchering this too. So if anyone wants to correct me, I will fall on that sword as well. Um, but I just remember this, that uh, there was no legislation from the government to promote the horse-drawn carriage when the car was invented because like that supply and demand part of society, the invention of the car kind of drove like a natural pivot, right? Like nobody's out there advocating, we need to give stipends or like 
tax credits for the horse-con right. carriage industry. Like it right. was like, no, we're all in. Like they that's, built a combustion that's engine. Free market free, capitalism. Yeah. That's and it, and, the definition of free market capitalism, right? Yeah, there. <laughs> right. Right. So we've reached like a pivot point, like in society, that they're like mathematically, you could do what we did in our industry, and people could still survive on paper and pencil and pen and like mail. Um, but do they want to anymore? Right. I mean, there, you could make an argument that paper's cheaper. Um, you know, people writing out contracts and then like mailing them and, and stuff like that. And then in theory, it could be cheaper than going the full digital like DocuSign email world. Right. Um, but the ease of access that people now have with the smartphones, you know, in order to sign even mortgage documentation, you know, like Rocket, um, for you to be able to check your my chart for an approval that like for this, you know, antibiotic that you're picking up like at Walmart, like or, or mailed to you. Um, I don't think people really enjoy also getting Amazon packages, getting mail anymore that requires them to then write a check and send off. Like, I don't think that that's still something that people like to do. Um, do you even have a checkbook? <laughs> no. I think no. I got one in my closet in like the top dress desk drawer or something, but like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I uh, it's I pivoted to a bank um, in order for us to um, move to Hawaii and I never pivoted off. And there is no branch here in like Wilmington, right. so it's all like it's digital. all digital. Huh? Um, and again, that could be more like an isolated incident to myself. But like, I think well, the there's sorry, there's banks that literally don't have branches. Yeah, like they're hundred percent digital. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's so like it's, so th that's a competing philosophy. Like at my company, there's there are people that you know not at Megacorp, but just in general in the technology versus yeah. like transportation industry, um, going full digital the way that we have um is not for everybody you know like we're we're in the top 30 now i think we're number 28 in the 3pls we're like number 69 in all of transportation in the united states um and you know the ability to grow that way and to scale on technology platforms was was very helpful but also company culture and you know their ability to retain customers and our approach to load management the people behind it are still probably the most important and that's also why mm -hmm. they're a big part of our growth um but generationally, the amount of people that we've hired in their age group that they're in, you know, they would probably rather be on phones and iPads and laptops versus like doing paper. So, you know, like, they don't even know how to write in cursive or like they don't even know how to how to like fill out a form. It has to be digitalized. I heard it's not even taught anymore. Yeah, but I, that was I, a bad I, example for me, no, I guess. It's but true, though, but it's just but... like it's like there's certain things that you like you just they don't even know, you know, kids don't even know how to do because they're not being taught. Yeah. And I don't know, like. Obviously, like I'm, I'm in the IT field, um, and it's like you know been a hobby slash career of mine for the last you know 17 years, I guess if we want to count it, like definitely like post college and go back even further from like, yeah. building a computer. Um, but you know, like uh, you know, I like everybody. I I probably enjoy like the disconnect time from it, you know, because it's it is like part of the work. So you know, like you know, at home. You know, we, I'm not a big, like, social media person, like, in, in life, and I'm not a big, like, advocate for it, because it is very addictive, like, the gamifying of it. Totally. Um, and the same thing with, like, television and, like, TV shows, you know, like, um, kind of that cord-cutting, like, app-only world, so then you can kind of control your time instead of, like, DVR, and I like focusing on that, like, live streaming, whether a sports thing would be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, but some of those, to be honest, like, 
just like vinyl had its kind of like resurgence. Yeah. Um, and you know, you're seeing like the way everybody's going back to concerts and like they sell on all these tickets and Messi moving here to America and how big like soccer is like, you know, getting with his presence for it. Yeah. I think there is that kind of like analog world we have to get back to like with yeah, it. It's like the um, old school, like, like feel, you know, like, yeah. Cause I mean, real life still matters. Um, and I think as long as like the, a company, if, if they kind of put things in those specific buckets of like, yes, we want a digital transform, you know, yes, we want this automation and efficiency and technology as a tool can fix these process, be part of the process for these things. Yeah. But the people side still has to matter. So that's, I mean, I still have a pretty big IT, um, IT bench and I try to spend a lot of time with them and, you know, understand like the real life side of it. Cause I mean, I, I always appreciated that, you know, right. coming up in the roles. Um, and then really, you know, as a, you know, a CTO or an IT person, like we do these things and play these IT pieces because like, they can be helpful, you know, and so they should not be the burden and people mm -hmm. should want to like enjoy them. And I like, I take it more personally, probably at home and at work when, when there's like a problem and like the tech isn't working right because it yeah, it's a little bit of ego, but it's also like, it's supposed to be fun. You know, yeah. like we have like an outside projector at home and then we'll set up for like, you know, summertime, like movies. How and cool. Like, the awesome. Wi-Fi can't reach it to stream that Disney thing. I'm like, redoing my whole like home network and moving it like all around to like figure out why it was an odd dead spark at this one evening. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing like at work, you know, like if, if we have like little mini fires or, you know, like problems from a help desk ticket, mm -hmm. like we'll, we'll, you know, we have a help desk team to like support those users. But if it's like the conference room isn't like working right or um, somebody doesn't like that color of like, you know, the, the laptop they got, right. The silver versus black yeah. thing. Like um, to me, like, I kind of remember those moments a little more because they're spending eight hours plus a day and they're carrying that product. They're in those rooms. There's, um, they're going to have more humans now, right? That, that confidence, whether they're doing a presentation to a customer yep. in business conference room, or if they're traveling with that device, there's probably a reason they're traveling for work. And like IT should not be a burden in that situation. Right. Cause like they're taking time out of their life to like, you know, do the, uh, unjoyous thing of the complications of scheduling and flights and hotels and ubers or rental cars yeah. and you know that that's already a big energy pull um you know from people that you know can be wearing and daunting so 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 talking about people and like processes and other stuff you know as a cto you know what are some of the other skills that you that you need to be successful at your job because like you, you go from being someone that's like an expert let's say in like executing on something and now you're at a level where you've got you've got people to manage you've probably got some type of budget or you know like caught you know profitability or something that you got to maintain Man, you know what, what are some of the other skills you need to be a successful cto yep there's it's a completely different hat to wear than the it like doers right. um, to probably do this the way that i do it and um the mentors that i've um had through previous organizations, um, whether it was like Rich Wacker at um, ASP or even Rich Gallo at a um, Liberty Healthcare um, before, you know, they, they, they took time to like, not only um, hand off the task work that I was doing at that time, um, and then explain the why behind it, uh, but then also kind of have those more personal relationship skills to, you know, know the balance of what it is to do the job and then still be like the human side of it. So from the CTO, probably like one of the more 
uh, things that don't exist on like job descriptions are probably really hard to find, mm -hmm. um, you know, in interviews. Um, but you know, most recruiters are pretty good at probably finding it. Um, and then other C-level execs are, are also looking for a similar like hat energy. Is the communication, um, empathy skills that uh, the emotional intelligence required behind that? Right. Um, because the decision making that can impact. 670 employees they all have families and lives like yep. you, you have to like kind of always know that that's there mm -hmm. um the hiring of skill sets there's no easy robotic button yet maybe ai will change that yeah. for how people should match on paper to then match company culture to come in mm -hmm. um at an organization so you know i i'm still at the end of every interview and then i've partnered heavily with like hr and recruiting to understand um the their soft skills that have to come in with it and that's no requirement from everybody there's no like you know we have a diversity of thought you know in, in our hiring and so there's not like a carbon copy of like me's like all running around I, I think if anything it's the opposite of um i've always enjoyed that um going up into a manager position into a director position and then the cto position in my career is making sure that the the room that i'm in and the people that are always around me are not like me you don't want to be in that kind of emperors with no clothes like yes man world um so you know like if if i'm i, I don't know what it, i don't remember like when i did that disc assessment for like the type now but i'll just pretend that like i'm a type a like introverted it guy mm -hmm. so i'll make sure the other people on my team are like the yellow green the type c the more extroverted like you know artistic like mindset guy all mm -hmm. the way back to like college the same friends that i had in the it space um and if you can recognize that and see that as like a strength and like in others and like you're all part of like that same like team so the positions on the field matter it's you know football analogy versus like baseball um but like a quarterback is different than like the center different than defense different than special teams right, right? in it there's a lot of different roles engineers are different yep. than architects versus you know um software support versus developers versus people in leadership positions um the it's good to have a technical mindset in any type of, you know, IT management, IT leadership um, role. Um, but it also takes, um, you know, I don't know the good phrase for it, like drink the Kool-Aid of the organization you're like you're with. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was like at Kaiser, you know, I, I got the privilege of like being like fully like scrubbed up and going in for like robotic surgeries and seeing how equipment work right like you know understanding like the day in the life of like doctors and nurses um at banking you know we at asp we got spend time at the branches and you know with the tellers and the rest of the finance departments and learn how they do like you know marketing and how they track like revenue is very eye-opening um that became pretty important um in my career journey because even rich wacker at that time he he was one of the ge like train engineers like on like trains like on rail and then he pivoted into finance and he did that after hours just asking a lot of questions and like learning like on the side so that capacity to like actively listen which i'm obviously not doing today if i'm talking so much um but kind of learn and pick up within the industry that helps because then you can pull that apart to make sure that the conversations with budget budget is always difficult in it because people cost a lot it cost a lot but you got to put mm -hmm. them in those specific like categories because you got to explain the why of the spend and what you're doing and correlate that back even though there's not an roi on it correlate it back to the things that it provided in operational efficiency stability and yeah. scalability and is it um, have you has it been like difficult you know for people that don't understand technology i guess so to speak and and people that are really just looking at the numbers sometimes it's hard to quantify you know the impact right 
I mean, like, you know, implementing this new system, you know, just saying new system, we're implementing this new system. And someone's like, well, what's our cost savings? Well, it's like, you know, like, this is what it's going to cost. This is what it's going to do. But there's so much, you know, quantitative, I'm sorry, qualitative aspect to it that you can't measure. It's like, okay, customer satisfaction is higher because it's easier to do business with us. Right. You know, employees are happier because, you know, it makes their job easier. Like, how do you, you know, has that ever been like a, a hurdle that you have to get across when trying to pitch an idea or get like the board or whatever For to approve sure. something? Yeah, I probably, I attempted it from my view and mindset when I was a little bit younger in my early 30s, late 20s at like American Savings Bank, very much pulling like the Jerry Maguire, like Lord of the Living Room, like sales pitch, like this is why we have to do it. And it was very IT only focused. Yeah. Um, kind of learned quickly that I was going to fail miserably at that approach <laughs> in the wrong boardrooms with the wrong people. Um, I think uh, somebody even got one of those like staples, like easy button, like buzzers because they were tired of all the acronyms. Because there's this like assumption you make when you like live with it every day that everybody, yeah, that else everybody knows, what, knows what, you're what you're talking about. Yeah, Same thing about. with me when I'm talking about <laughs> finances and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's another exercise in maturity. Uh, so now, um, I wouldn't say I've fully matured or gotten like a, a wiser, but I know enough to know that um, when I'm losing somebody in the conversation, right? right? Like if I'm being too techy or too, too many uh, acronyms. Yeah, um, see the eyes start to glaze over yeah. a little bit. It's like, oh, this guy's lost. The humility <laughs> yeah. matters there too. Cause I mean, I'll admit it when it happens. So now yeah. they like make fun over like joke on it, which I love because that immediately breaks down the defenses people have in like situations where you're either asking for more money or you're talking through like org changes, those are always like difficult. As much as people think that, you know, any boardroom you get in, whether I was at H, you know, the Hawaii Electric Industries and that boardroom or with, with ASB and them and now with like Megacorp, like a lot of people, it is very difficult. Like, you know, and that's probably one thing, you know, when I was younger, I always had these like delusions of grandeur where if I was in a position of power, I would like do it this way. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and you make these assumptions that like, they're not making smart decisions in the room. And then once you're in some of those rooms, you realize there's a lot more variables. The game of chess, like in politics, politics is interesting. Yeah. And then the dynamics when you're at large organizations, you know, whether you're hundreds, if not thousands of employees, um, the ripple effect of any decision is like wide. So, um, you know, it's it's difficult to find compromises and friendships for what movie you want to go see, what search right. you're going to travel to, where you're going to go for dinner. Same within marriage, even more difficult when you're trying to do it in a, like a business setting well, because you're yeah. always weighing out. And that's why, and that's why you have the team, right? Is mm -hmm. because there's so many different variables, there's so many different perspectives that you know everybody is, you know, in, in, that you have to have those different perspectives to make what is the best decision for the you know the going concern of the business and for and for what we're ultimately trying to achieve. Right. right? Yeah, and I. I appreciate that like the most. Like I, I have what I, I have a degree of transparency. I go back with my leadership team with IT, yeah. Minus like showing all the skeletons in the closet. Like yeah. they're always behind. Like you know, that you just have to hold on to in order to build out trust. Um, but when we're trying to make a decision on an IT solution or a process change reconfiguration or even budget for for role, you know, they they're in the interviewing yeah. part of the process. So because uh, that. Um, that's like an ante, like it puts like stake into the game to where now they're not just faking to make it like if they have a seat, they truly have a seat at the table. Like, you know, my success, their, their success is my success. Um, like, you know, I, I, 
I've been fortunate to like be a doer at times in my career. Yeah. But you know, when you pivot into leadership, the hardest thing to like learn, um, and there's no easy button, there's no real good book for it too, is um, like trust and relinquish of that control that they're not gonna do it the same way you're, you would yeah, do exactly. it. exactly. But you have to be like, okay, that everybody can do it differently. I think it's the same thing as like a parent, like, you know, the kids aren't always gonna do what you want, but like the way that they do it, like is fine. Yep. You probably see even with teachers when they're trying to teach those complicated like math problems, they're like, show your work. And they're like, I should enough. Yeah. Um, I always just arrived at the answer somehow. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. That's, that's the same thing yeah. um, that we, you have to kind of like, play upon in any type of management leadership you know, in the CTO like hat is that the people that we have hired are the right people for the right reasons doing the right thing awesome. um, until they break down like trust, right? But most of the time, inherently people like to, as much as we want to be hermits or like introverts, right? Especially the old IT nerd thing. Like, humans are a community species like yep. we we thrive together in like larger audiences um so you know collaboration is a thing teamwork is a thing we yep. don't need to have the one person doing the assignment like in high school or college um so you know speaking up and being involved and like going through it is um is fun because then it, if it just moves the needle a little bit in confidence then you, you you're going to land on hopefully the right decision in making and the IT choices that will be a positive impact to the company. Awesome. And so that way you're more in like a, a service delivery versus a, uh, you know, uh, an expensive cost. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Add value. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's, that's Man, cool. well, um, one of these days where this podcast will be able to just talk for hours and hours, but at this <laughs> point in our, uh, you know, fetal state, we've got a, a time frame to deal with, unfortunately. Sure. So um, let's go ahead and wrap up. Thanks. Thanks a lot for coming out. Uh, really cool story on you know how you've gotten to where you are and oh, um you know i guess it, i always like to end you know if, if someone's listening and they like what you're talking about or they just want to connect is there a way for you know someone hey i'm looking for a career in it or i'm looking for someone to talk to is there a way for people to get in touch with you that you'd be willing to share yes yeah i'm on linkedin um Perfect. i really like that kind of social media for these things like right it's a very yeah. business oriented a very easy way to contact yeah. um and if anybody wants to reach out to me um on there um i, I will then share out my email address awesome wants. awesome well, cool, cool man well Thank thanks you. again thanks Chris. awesome thanks guys for tuning in for another episode and we'll look forward to seeing you again next time